This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. The Adventures of Philip Marlowe was a radio series featuring Raymond Chandler's private eye, Philip Marlowe. The program differed from most others in its genre. It was a more hard-boiled program than many of the other private detective shows of the time, containing few quips or quaint characters. Tonight, we hear the episode, The Pelican Roost. Get this and get it straight. Crime is a sucker's road, and those who travel it wind up in the gut of the prison of the grave. There's no other end, but they never learn. Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum, the refreshing, delicious treat that gives you chewing enjoyment, presents for your listening enjoyment, Raymond Chandler's most famous character in The Adventures of Philip Marlowe. With Gerald Moore starred as Philip Marlowe, the makers of Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum are glad to bring you tonight's exciting story, The Pelican's Roost. Hello, Marlowe speaking. Phil, thank heaven you're home tonight. Lynn? Yes. Lynn Russell? Uh-huh. Oh, baby, when did you get back to town? Yesterday. Phil, listen, I'm at Eugene's. It's a beauty salon in Wilshire, just west of La Cienega. Yeah? Come over here right away, will you? Me? <laughs> to a beauty shop? You've got to help me get out of here. Well, what's the matter, kid? Got your head caught in a dryer? Phil, please, I'm serious. I'm scared. There's a guy waiting for me outside, and when I leave here, I'm afraid he's going to try to kill me. Now, look, this isn't just for laughs, huh, baby? Phil, this time I'm not fooling. This man's crazy. His name's Ward Erling. I had a few dates with him once. He was in an accident three months ago, just before I left on my cruise. He's supposed to be in the hospital right now, but he isn't. He's here, just waiting for me to leave. Yeah, but Lynn, look, I... I'm not asking a favor, Phil. I'm hiring you. Okay, baby, it'll take me 15 minutes to get there. Oh, thanks, Phil. I'll wait till I see you walk by. I drove out to Wilshire Boulevard and kept telling myself that I could trust Lynn Russell. Why? Because I like her. She was a glossy brunette, born with all the natural equipment of a top model and a covey of oil wells in her own name. She rushed at life, but she'd always been smart enough to stop short of real trouble. Well, it was 9.30 when I got to the section of Wilshire's Miracle Mile that housed Eugene's beauty shop. I drove by, saw no one outside, so I pulled into an alleyway, parked, and walked back slowly. As I passed in front of the show window, I winked at a gilt mannequin with purple hair. And when I heard the door open behind me, I stopped and lit a cigarette. 
Lynn Russell hurried by without a word, ran to a cab at the corner and drove away. Well, that was all there was to it. I turned around, headed back to my own car and got as far as the handle on the door. Oh! I fell against the car as the blow came again. Oh! Made syrup of my legs. I oozed down onto the pavement and stayed there. I know you. You're Marlowe, the private detective. Okay. So I'm Marlowe. Well, let me tell you something, Marlowe. I've spent three months flat on my back because of an accident that wasn't an accident. I'm going to get even with her, you understand? I don't care what it costs. Palmer Sloan or anybody else can hire a dozen like you, and it won't stop me, so stay out of my way. I climbed up my front fender hand over hand, got back on my feet. In time to clutch a glimpse of a new convertible emerald green with what must have been Ward Erling at the wheel. Well, there was no use trying to follow in the condition I was in, so I headed for Lynn's place with all my windows open. The cool air helped. I pulled up in front of a wrought iron arch labeled Garden Court Bungalows and followed a flagstone trail back to number four, which was Lynn's. I felt almost normal again until I saw her front door. It was standing half open, framing a man against the dark interior who was trying his best to see inside. This time, the advantage was mine, and I took it! Take your hands off me! Get inside! Oh, just a minute! Get in! Now turn on the lights. Lynn! I doubt she's home. Miss Russell is not in the habit of sitting around in the dark. Oh, you know her habits, huh? I do. And you? I know she has bad taste in men. I wonder if I should resent that. You don't qualify. What are you to Lynn? When she wants someone to help her lift a martini glass, she calls on me. We've been going on like that for years. Just tell me your name, Junior, and he's off on the small talk. My name is Sloan, Palmer Sloan. Now it's your turn, Mr. Muscles. Never mind. Lynn! Lynn! By what right are you snooping around like this? Just who are you, anyway? Here. Here's my card. Lynn hired me tonight. Oh. So you're Marlowe the detective. Yeah, yeah. Marlowe the detective. Any idea where she is, it's important. None whatever. I had a date to meet her here, which never means very much to her. Why did she think she would need you tonight? Because she was afraid of a guy. One who gave me a crack on the skull and, incidentally... Doesn't think much of you, either. Oh? Ward Erling. Ever hear of him? Erling? Yeah. Uh, well, yes. But Erling's still in the hospital. He met with an accident, you know. Something about brakes slipping on a car. And he was, uh... He was crushed. Accident's not what he calls it, and he's got a gun, just for emphasis. What's his connection with Lynn? Oh, help yourself, Marlowe. Lynn won't mind. Get your snoot out of that glass and answer me. She discovered him. Like all the others. That sculptor two years ago. And the cowboy, Tex Harrison. Early last year was the fellow with the racing boats and so on. They are hobbies, fun and games to Lynn. She's got too much energy, far too much. What's the difference with Ward Erling? Well, he fell in love with her. Oh. It was charming. And then he wouldn't be brushed off, told off, or bought off. She tried them all. So? She left. Ran out, took a cruise. He wanted to marry her. Simply wouldn't take no for an answer. <laughs> Imagine that. Those two belong together like scotch and kerosene. You know, you sound a little like you're in love with her yourself. Maybe I am. Oh. But I know my quaint little position in her life. I'm her errand boy, Marlowe. Nothing else. You don't care how dirty your hands get? What do you mean? Skip it. Now, look, errand boy. 
Her life's in danger. Right now, I've got to find Ward Erling in a hurry. Any good ideas? You might try the four-bell jump in Santa Monica. What's that? It's a... That's where Lynn dug that character up originally. He's a musician? If you want to call it that. Some do. He was the piano player and leader of a small and for some reason successful combination that's still there, so far as I know. Yeah, and one more thing. Lynn left here in an awful hurry. She might be looking for you, and I might later, too. Now, go home wherever that is and wait. Why not? Oh, it's 210 in the Beekman Plaza. 210, huh? And if my apartment doesn't answer, try the bar. When I pulled down to the parking lot at the Four Bell Jump, the first thing I saw was the nose of the emerald green car Erling had been driving peeking out from the side of a building. I checked it and found out it was registered to one William Freeman. Now, that meant nothing, so my next stop had to be inside. The club was a low-ceiling mixture of dusty fishnets, the smell of bad bar whiskey, and noise. The band had just finished the set, climbed off the stand, and drifted out to join the customers. I saw the name Howdy Bub Freeman stenciled on the bass drum. He was a flyweight who carried most of it on an oversized head equipped with a pair of protruding yellow eyes. <laughs> Stuck out even further when I followed him out into a back room. Hey, Bob. Yeah? Is that your car around the side, the green one? Yeah, brand new. Nice, huh? Too nice to loan out. Better come again. Where's Ward Erling? I thought he was the piano man here. Ward, he used to be. He's in the hospital now. Had a bad accident a while back. Who says it was an accident? What? It was an accident. I say so. Mm. Of course it was. I saw it. The brake slipped in his car. It rolled down an incline, pinned him against the wall. That's so. Who says he's in the hospital? I do. Hey, uh... Look, what's your grip? You're a liar, Bob. Erling borrowed your car tonight. Man, you're dragging me. I'll see you around. Come back here. Look, look, I, I got I got no beef with you, mister. Where can I find Ward Erling? Why don't you go off somewhere and drop dead? Where is he? Come on, little man, before I shake it out of you. You look like you shake awful easy. Where's Erling? Uh, wait, wait a minute. I don't know. I swear I don't. I don't care if he used my car. I didn't know it. He, he's a bring down, a spook. Keep going. He blew his cork over some society doll that practically wrecked our combo we've been working five years to build up. Also, it broke the heart of one very sweet kid. Maxine's so gone, she'd scrub floors for Ward and he couldn't see it. I'm disgusted with him. Maxine who? Where can I find her? Now look, little man, do I shake some more? Uh, 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 Maxine Majesta. That's better. She's inside at the end of the bar, blonde in a blue dress. Take it easy, will you? She's a good kid. So am I. We'll get along fine. I'll see you, bub. be for you, mister. Scotch. Oh, that one's taken. Lady will be right back. Oh, I'm sorry. Water or soda? Water. Thanks. Hey, Larry. Huh? Hey, your phone's broken. I didn't get my nickel back. <laughs> oh, you want me to freshen up that drink, Maxine? No, thanks, Larry. This is fine. Uh, Maxine. Yeah? Maybe you can help me. Maybe? Uh, no, no. <laughs> no, what I mean is I'm looking for Ward Erling. Try under a rock. <laughs> you know, you sound a little bitter. I'm as bitter as a slot machine these days. What's it to you? Well, I'm an acquaintance of Lynn Russell's. Name's Marlowe. You know her, Maxine? 
I've seen her at the jam sessions we used to go to. She used to show Ward off to her little groups like a prize pup. Sure you got a peg right? You know she tried hard to shake her. Listen, she's the got rocks type would sink a yacht just to watch the bubbles. And that's only... Only what, Maxie? Never mind, skip it. Good night, Mr. Marlowe. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Don't I get to buy you a drink? Some other Tuesday. Good night. I watched her as far as the door. Decided to go after her, and then I caught the bartender giving me a very cold eye. <laughs> Didn't thaw any as I downed my drink and saw him high sign the bouncer. Looked like my welcome was wearing thin, so I went outside and sat down in my car and tried to figure out who was covering up what. But I only got as far down the list as Palmer Sloan. <laughs> it had come from the back room in the club. I was a poor third in getting to him. A waiter in a white apron and a fat sax man both beat me. Over here, Manny. Here. Hey, it's Bob. Bob Freeman. Holy cats, what's wrong with him? He's been stabbed. Yeah, there. In his neck. An ice pick. Bob. Bob, who did it? No use, fella. He was gone before he hit the floor. Whoever did that to him got him dead center. Now with our star, Gerald Moore, the second act of Philip Marlowe and tonight's exciting story, The Pelican's Roost. Howdy Bob Freeman was face down and dead. The ice pick that had killed him pointed straight up, rigid like an accusing finger. To the right of the dead drummer's sprawled legs was the fat saxophone player, his face shiny with a fine sweat of fear. And to the left, the waiter who had found Freeman's body. For a backdrop, there was the doorway crammed with astonished faces and the funny kind of cracked voices people always have at a time like that. I closed them out. The waiter objected. No, no, wait a minute, mister. What are you doing that for? We got to call a cops. Hey, uh, you ain't the cops, are you? Now, I'm a private detective. Name's Marlowe. Well, that ain't good enough. We, we got to get the law Shut about Shut up, Dave. This. What? Mr. Marlowe will tell you anything you want to know. My name's Lager, Manny Lager. Bob Freeman was a good friend of mine. Even if he's the reason Ward Erling went to the hospital? What'd you say? That from my corner, Freeman dead only adds one way. He put Ward Erling in splints to keep him from wrecking the band by running off with Lynn Russell on a 90-day cruise. Oh, yeah, sure. And to get even, Erling put an ice pick in his neck. Tossed it right from his hospital window. You, uh, you don't keep up with the news, do you, Lager? Erling left the hospital this afternoon, probably what? by way of the fire escape. Water's out? Out. And so that the accident was the kind that's planned well in advance. I know because we've already had a chat. Then you, you mean that Erling did this to get square? He killed Freeman? Yeah, it could be. But there's another angle. Yeah, an angle named Palmer Sloan. That society louse who didn't want his girlfriend mixed up with anything as degrading as a musician. That's it, ain't it? Maybe. Erling was after Palmer Sloan. All Lynn Russell, he never mentioned Freeman. Yeah, but uh, where's the tie? Howdy Bub didn't fall on that ice pick. Uh, how does it figure? Playing his sheep music was Bub and Palmer Sloan working together. Palmer knew that Erling was on the loose. He was afraid Bub had spilled, so he quieted him with that. Right, Marlowe? No, no, I think you're wrong. Both of you, look here. Yeah, I found this on the floor near the window. This wouldn't belong to a man, Mr. Marlowe, not even the Palmer Sloan. Let me see that. A mascara case. Yeah. 
Could be the very personal property of Lynn Russell. Yeah. Her and a couple of million other dolls. You can't hang her on that. Every gal carries mascara. Hold it, will you, Lega? There's a trade name on this case. Eugene, Wilshire Boulevard, Beverly Hills. So what's that prove? May prove you wrong, Lega. I'll see you, boys. Marlowe Sloan, have you heard from Lynn? No, Marlowe, I haven't, and I probably won't, so please, let's not call here Save it for the country club, Palmer, and get a good grip on this. The drummer at the four-bell jump's been murdered. Looks like our not-so-sweet friend did it. Lynn? Oh, you're out of your mind. Yeah, I'm out of my mind. Now, tell me, if she did this, have you any idea where she would head? No, Marlowe, no, I I don't. The boat is tied up, her car is in the garage for repairs. Okay, suppose she didn't take a car or a boat. Would it be by... Hey, wait a minute, Sloan, what was that about a boat? Is it a yacht, maybe? (laughs) Not exactly, Marlowe. It's a cabin cruiser. Anchored off the Santa Monica Pier at the moment. Santa Monica Sloan, that fits. What's the name of it? Crest of the Wave. Why? What makes you think she'd go out there? Well, among other things, a crack a lady made earlier tonight. A lady named Maxine Majesto loves Ward Erling and hates Lynn Russell. Bye-bye, Palmer. I made it to the fog Vale Santa Monica Pier in less than ten minutes. Then was another five getting out to the breakwater that joined the end at right angles to form a protecting L for the 50-yard boats moored within. Boats that ran from the kind of sleek yachts that good girls stay away from to a leaky rowboat with a rusted outboard labeled Faithless. And all were moored in a series of slips connected up front by a narrow, wet catwalk that did not have a guardrail. Except for a quiet old man with his pipe and pass, the end of the pier was deserted. No light showed on any of the boats. When I'd gone along the catwalk as far as the crest of the wave, a neat chrome-finished 50-footer, I had a clammy, uncomfortable feeling that said I was too late. But that disappeared in the next minute when I spotted Maxine Majesta standing alone on deck, her blonde hair damp and flat to her drawn, glistening face, a face that didn't brighten at the sight of me. Marlo, what do you want here? Lynn Russell. Have you seen her, Maxine? Lynn? No. No, I haven't. But you are waiting for her. No, no. Why would I... I, you I mean, mean you always come out here nights? It's good for a girl's hair. Is that it, baby? Marlo, stay out of this, please. So you can get to her alone? No, Marlo, so I can get to her alone. Well, no, that's fine. Inch. I mean that, Marlo. This thing goes up real easy. Now, where is she, Maxine? I, I don't know. Who would? I knew you'd come here after her. That, that's Never why mind that. I want Lynn Russell, Maxine. Why? Why, darling? Oh, Ward, aren't you through with her yet? Didn't you do enough to you? She and that Palmer... Stop it. Just tell me where she is. Keep those hands up, Marlo. I had an itch. I'll ask permission next time. Ward, Ward, listen to me. What difference does it make where Lynn is? She doesn't love you. She never did. You were a five-minute intermission. But us, we were different. We were in love, Ward. We had every time. I'm only after one thing, Maxine. Now, where is she? Ward, please forget her. Come here. In my arm! You're I'm gonna break it unless you tell me what I want to know. The guy who runs the hamburger joint on the other side of the pier saw her here, Maxine. And for the last time, where is she? All right, stop it! She's... She's a... Pelican's rude. Nice going, Adonis. You got your answer, didn't you? Yeah. Just like I'm gonna get Lynn Russell. Hooray. State will be overjoyed. What's that supposed to mean, detective? Something like Lynn Russell just killed Howdy Bob Freeman? You're a liar. Really? It doesn't matter. 
If it's true, I'll just be a little harder on the fine lady. How hard can you get, kid? Hard enough. Come now. Here we go. Up to the sitting position. <laughs> Too much blood to the head is bad now. Come, laddie. Up we go. Oh, uh, there we are. I'll be fine in a minute. Oh, there's quite the blow there. Yeah. Hey, take that light out of my eyes, will you? Oh, who are you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I noticed you out on the pier earlier. Uh, the name is Spoon. Elvin Spoon. But they call me Scotty. That figures. Oh. Scotty, tell me. Where's the Pelican's Roost? Was it a nightclub or what? A nightclub? Oh, no, no. It's far from that. How far? What is it? Uh, the Pelican's Roost is the old fishing pier. In Santa Monica? Uh, a collection of rotting wood at the foot of Second Street? Aye, uh, but uh, what business could the man have there, Luddy? The dirtiest. Thanks for your help, Scotty. Are you... Wait a minute. What be it? Uh, something you dropped? Yeah. Something I dropped while being dropped. A mascara case I never really looked at before. Bloody, you seem so puzzled. Uh-uh, not puzzled, Scotty, just dumb. Bloody here has been jumping to the wrong conclusions, and all because he didn't take a good look at this and... And what? And the color of a girl's hair. So long, Scotty. Thanks again for your help. May get me to the Pelican's Roost on time. The nickname for the cockeyed assortment of barnacled pilings that complained with every surge of the sea and complained again with the undertow that always followed was no misnomer. At least a thousand sleeping pelicans called it home. And now as I moved out along the splinted, lopsided boards that here and there gave way, I, I tried to be careful not to wake too many of the birds and stir them to flight because that would give me away. The heavy, clinging fog and the waves crashing over the jagged, jutting rocks below were on my side. I made it out to within 20 yards of the end of the pier without being seen. There I slipped my 38 out of my shoulder holster and went forward, a slow foot at a time, until I saw Lynn Russell. Alive and alone, huddled near a slick, oily piling, a face in her hands, a body trembling with her tears. What I didn't see was the man who had come up beside me and taken aim. How dumb can one man get, Marlowe? Beating on the sidewalk, a beating on the boat, and now this. Third time's a charm, Adonis, haven't you heard? Oh, Phil. Phil, your hand, it must hurt terribly. Don't waste your sympathy, Lynn. The gentleman here thinks you're a killer. He thinks you knocked off Howdy Bub Freeman because you and Bub planned my accident. And you were worried about Bub talking too much. Phil, how could you believe that? Oh, it was real easy, Lynn. You had the motive, and that plus a box of mascara that came from your beauty shop just about sold me. I don't understand. What about the mascara? Well, it was found near Freeman's body. But it wasn't until a few minutes ago that I found something else. The mascara is brown, and that fits a blonde, not a brunette. What are you trying to say, Milo? My guess is that Maxine Majesta is that blonde. She happens to use the same brand as you, Lynn. It's a good <laughs> guess, Milo. Maxine. Swell guess. I did kill Bub. We both planned your accident, Ward. Bud, because he didn't want you to ruin everything you two worked so hard for him. I, because I... 
I, because I'd rather have you in the hospital than with her. Stay back, Maxine. He has a gun. So do I, but I'm still a hit. You see, Marlowe, I got here before you did. I've been watching them. He had all the chance in the world to shoot, but he didn't, and he won't. And that's why you only got shot in the hand. He's not a killer. He only has a killer's temper. And he's just learned that revenge is hollow unless you are a killer. Don't, Maxine. Shut up, both of you. You killed Bob. Yes, I did. He was afraid you'd find out everything. He thought his only chance was to tell you what we did and put the blame heavy on me. You scum. You put me in the hospital, nearly killed me just to keep me for yourself. Yeah. It's called love. Stupid, wasn't I, Ward? Selfish. And I lost. But if I can't have you, nobody... She hit those rocks. We've got to get her. Not a chance. Wouldn't do any good if we did. Give me that gun, Erling. Milo, I... Never mind this speech. Go on back to the hospital. Get out of here. Yes. All right, Milo. It was midnight when I called the Santa Monica police, and when all the paperwork was done, it was 3 in the a.m. Lynn and I drove by the old pier and sat looking at the rotten timbers. Tried not to talk about the poor kids somewhere underneath them. Lynn. Yes, Phil. How do you feel about everything? I don't. Just numb. Maybe that's the best way. Numb. Anesthetized. Insulate our hearts, our sensibilities. That way nothing can get to you. Yeah. Then just as we think we're all snug in cotton wool, life explodes the insulation, the heart ends the anesthesia, and we're back grabbing at brass rings. Phil, I want to go home. Okay, kid. But remember... There may not always be a way home. Adventures of Philip Marlowe, presented by Wrigley's Spearmint Gum, bring you Raymond Chandler's most famous character and star, Gerald Moore. Philip Marlowe is produced and directed by Norman MacDonald and written for radio by Robert Mitchell and Gene Levitt. Featured in the cast were Lillian Bayef, Larry Dobkin, Georgia Ellis, John Daner, David Ellis, Paul Dubov, and Jack Crucian. The special music is composed and conducted by Richard Arant. The makers of Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum... Hope you enjoyed tonight's adventure of Philip Marlowe and that you're enjoying Wrigley's Spearmint Gum every day. We invite you to be with us next week when Philip Marlowe says... This time it was a big city, dirty from a trigger-fisted thug in yellow suede shoes. A lady's heart dropped in the gutter and a corpse in a Hollywood duplex. 
But in the middle of it all and setting the pace was a sweet little girl from Pumpkin Center, Kansas. This is Bob Stevenson speaking, and this is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Stay tuned for Life with Luigi, next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for J. Carol Nash to star in Life with Luigi. This episode, Income Tax Problems, was first aired in 1949. We invite you to enjoy life. Life with Luigi, a new comedy show created by Cy Howard and starring that celebrated actor, Mr. J. Carol Nash, with Alan Reed as Pasquale. A year ago, when Luigi Basco left Italy to start his new life in America, he promised his mother that he would write and tell her about his adventures. So now let's read Luigi's letter as he writes to Mama Basco in Italy. Dear Mamma Mia, America is a great country where everybody's a very nice and friendly. And right now, Mamma Mia, in America is what they call income tax season. <laughs> This is the time when everybody is busy figuring out how much money they got to send to the government and how much they're going to live on and what they got to left. <laughs> Me, I'm going to try to be extra good American. I'm going to wait till March 15. Last January 1st, I make out my income tax and I send it right in. I'm going to get empty pockets of three months before everybody else. <laughs> But I'm a got the good reason for sending my money in so fast to Mamma Mia. I'm a no wanna be guilty of what they call withholding a tax. <laughs> Mamma, by the time you receive this letter, is it gonna be time for your birthday? Happy birthday, Mamma Mia. I'm only wish I can send you silver candlesticks. I promise you I send them when I come to America. But is it gonna to have to wait for a little while? Anyway, in a close, you're going to find the birthday card, which I'm buying a store especially for you. They don't have the kind of card I want, but the, you know, with us, the feeling is a count more than anything else. So don't look where it's to say, Happy Father's Day. <laughs> anyway, I'm still going to try to get something nice for you. Right now, I'm leaving my antique shop for my night school class. Hello, Mr. Basco. Got a registered letter for you. Oh, thank you, Mr. Mailman. Oh, uh, Mr. Basco, you got any new stamps from Italy for my kid? No, but when I get it some more, I save it for you. Hey, this letter must be advertisement for new mamas. It's a, say, Maternal Revenue Department. <laughs> you better take a good look at it. It's from the Internal Revenue Department. Well, so long. Internal Revenue Dear Mr. Basco, an internal revenue agent will call to see you tomorrow at 4 p.m. 
in a reference to your 1948 tax return. Mamma mia. What can they want from me? I go right to now and ask my night school teacher, Miss Spaulding. All right, all right, class, class. Please, please, let's come to attention. I'll call the roll. Mr. Basco? Uh, present. Mr. Horowitz? Present. Mr. Olson? Present. Mr. Schultz? Mr. Schultz, you're here. Aren't you going to say anything? What is there to say? I'm here, and that's all. <laughs> please, please, Mr. Schultz. Now, class, our lesson for today is on government. Now, who can tell me the three main branches of our government? I can see, John. Good. What are they? Main branch, uptown and downtown. <laughs> No, Mr. Schultz, no, that's completely wrong. That's not even anywhere All near... All right, don't rub it in. <laughs> Will someone else volunteer to answer that question? The three main branches of the government. Now, if you recall, I gave you a simple formula for remembering it. Think of Washington and three branches on one tree. I'm exploring. I try. Fine. Well, uh, is it the... the legislative? The... The executive, the executive, executive... Luigi, get off that branch before you break the tree. Please, please, Mr. Schultz. Legislative and executive is correct, Mr. Basco. Now, I'll give you a hint. The third department has to do with court. Oh, yes, I'm a remember. A legislative, an executive, and a judicial. Perfect, Mr. Basco. For that, you get a good mark. Never mind the good mark. Give Luigi a refrigerator. <laughs> Mr. Schultz, please. Oh, yes, Mr. Olson? Uh, your, uh, the legislative department is to make the laws. The executive department is to carry out the laws. The judicial department is to try the laws in court. That's very good, Mr. Olson. Oh, I stay up real late last night, Miss Spaulding, and I study real hard. And that's why I always answer the questions right. What a show-off. I hate a man but knows everything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Miss, Miss Spaulding. Yes, Mr. Basco? I'm like to ask you something. A little while ago, I'm a receiver this letter from Internal Revenue Department. Ooh, Internal Revenue Department, Luigi. <laughs> Ooh, that's bad. Why didn't you pay your income tax? Well, I'm sure some pay my tax in January. That's a two months ahead of the time. Ooh, that's even worse, Luigi. They suspect you if you're too anxious. <laughs> the California Limited leaves at four o'clock. Jump on it. Get away. Go out of town. Mr. Schultz, please. Please, Mr. Schultz. <laughs> really, Mr. Schultz, really. They do not suspect you, Mr. Basco. The government is very grateful to anyone who sends his tax money in before the big rush. Then why the government is sending a special man to see me tomorrow? Luigi, maybe they, they want to thank you for being an early bird. Then why don't they send me a letter of thanks? So why are they sending a man? I'll tell you why, Luigi. Because they can't fit handcuffs into an envelope. <laughs> Wait for me, wait for me. Ooh. 
<laughs> oh, my rheumatism, Luigi. Oh, listen to me. I couldn't get $30 for myself on a used car lot. <laughs> Schultz, in a come taxi man as a come tomorrow at 4 o'clock. You think he's going to make a trouble? Oh, smile, Luigi, smile. <laughs> Maybe you just made it a little mistake and nothing is going to happen. You know what happened when I first came to America? I sent in my first income tax without anything written on it. <laughs> Why? Because on the top it said, Returns his income tax blank. <laughs> I'm trying to make you laugh. Schultz, is it going to be some birthday present for my mama if she find out I'm in trouble with the government? Don't worry, Luigi. Smile. What can they do to you? Can they take away your money? Can they take away your clothes? Can they take away your business? Schultz, can they? Tomorrow night, you know, if you ain't got it, they took it away. <laughs> Luigi, my friend. Hello, Luigi. Hello, hello. Hello, Pasquale. What's the matter, Luigi? You're walking around like a chicken with its tail between its legs. <laughs> Pasquale is a long story. You see, I'm going to get a letter from Income Tax Department that says a man is coming to antique shop tomorrow. So I'm taking tonight to school for help. Miss Spaulding says there's nothing to worry about. But Olsen is saying maybe trouble, and the shoots is making it sound even worse. Oh, she'll go to everybody, whether your friend is to bring you from the other country, Pasquale. Luigi, why are you always running around every place for information when you could have come right to here to get the dope? <laughs> You're so right, Pasquale. <laughs> Is there nobody a bigger doper than you? <laughs> That's a funny thing. When I'm saying it to come out a different. <laughs> Luigi, you always are gonna have a trouble with a taxi department because you ain't got a what they call a dependent. Dependent? What's that? A dependent? That's just something a fella is married, so he should pay less to taxes. Oh. Now, I'm going to show you I'm your best friend, Luigi. I'm going to give you one of my dependents free of charge. <laughs> you will, Pasquale? Sure, I'm going to give you a wife. For a Pasquale, you already married to her. Not my wife. My daughter Rosa. What do you say, Luigi? No, Pasquale. Rosa is a too fat for me. <laughs> So what if my little girl is away 250 pounds? If you marry an ordinary girl, you've got a one dependent. If you marry my Rosa right away, you've got a two dependent. Pasquale, please, don't talk about Rosa. Just to tell me, why is income tax man coming to see me? Why is he coming to see anybody? To get him more money. Tell me, my big business man, how much money you send it to the government in January? Ten dollars. Ten dollars. Well, there's your trouble. You violating a very big law, the uh, E Pluribus Unum law. <laughs> yes, that's what they call it. E Pluribus Unum? Sure. 
For men is the e pluribus unum, for ladies is the she pluribus unum. <laughs> but Pasquale, if this is American law, why is it written in a foreign language? Because it's especially for foreigners. They gotta pay an extra hundred dollars. Hundred dollars? Mamma mia, Pasquale, when was it this law passed? Uh, just a half hour ago. <laughs> Didn't you hear it on your radio? No. No wonder you ain't got FM. FM? Sure, FM. That's the meaning they broadcast about a power of the money. <laughs> your radio, your radio is AM. That's the meaning they broadcast only about American money. But Pasquale, what am I going to do? I'm not got a hundred dollars to pay this Unima tax. Well, I'm not such a bad fella. You know, Pasquale's got a big heart, always taking care of people he's alike. Luigi? I'm ready to give you a hundred dollars to keep you out of Alcatraz. All you gotta do is marry Rosa. What do you say, my son? Pasquale, where's Alcatraz? All right, go ahead. Be stubborn. You ain't got no credit in the bank. Where are you gonna get the hundred dollars? Pasquale, I go to a loan company. I see advertisement in all the papers that say, we lend you money. All you need is co-signer. Well, I'm going to get a Schultz, and he's going to sign up for my call. Go ahead. Get a Schultz. See what I... Uh, eh, a company. Uh-huh. Luigi, is no hard feeling between us. What do you want a Schultz for? I'm your best friend. I sign it for your call. Pasquale, you do this for me? Sure, I know a fine loaner company. The Happy Finance Company on a Dearborn Street. 800 a block. Oh. Now, you go down the first thing in the morning. I'm going to take care of everything for you right now. Go ahead, my little man. Take a walk. Stop worrying. Oh, thank you, go, Pasquale. Go. You're a real friend. Sure. Goodbye. Go, go. Goodbye. <laughs> Ah, bro, figaro, bravo, 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 figaro, bravo, bravo, fortunatissimo, fortunatissimo, fortunatissimo. Hello? Happy Finance Company? Fella by name of Luigi Basco is coming in tomorrow for a loan. I'm his co-signer, so give him all of the money he's asking for. A hundred, a thousand, even a million dollars. I'm a good for it. Oh, pardon me, I gotta hang up for now. My keepers are coming for me. What's my name? Pasquale. But around here, everybody's calling me Snake Pit. <laughs> Life with Luigi continues in just a moment. But first, every once in a while, you hear an announcer making the fact that 99 million people listen to CBS every week. So let's add another fact on there to the effect that most of them are crazy about a certain blonde. Along with Jack Benny, Lux Theater, and Arthur Godfrey, this blonde's always one of the most popular in radio, and she does it by thoroughly confusing everyone. All the way from the income tax experts and insurance salesmen to her boyfriend and best girlfriend. If you haven't met my friend Irma, the blonde in question, wangle an introduction over most of these same stations tomorrow night. There's never a dull moment, never a lull in the laughter when my friend Irma tries to let an idea enter her pretty blonde head. And now for the second act of Luigi Basco's adventures in Chicago, we turn to page two of his letter to his mother in Italy. And so, Mamma Mia, 
Although in a come a taxi man as a come this afternoon to see me, I'm not so worried because I'm going to loan a company to borrow a hundred dollars. Everything is a depend on this loan. So I'm fixing myself up to look like a real rich man. I'm going to wear for the first time what you gave me when I left the home. The blue earmuffs and the red tablecloth. <laughs> tablecloth is going to make a fine muffler. Also, I'm going to get a haircut. Cost me 20 cents. And I bite my fingernails all nice and even. <laughs> also, Barbara is selling me special perfume. It's like expensive. Cost me 10 cents, a half a milk bottle. <laughs> but the mama mia, believe in me when I say, with my haircut, a shave, my nails and my smell, nobody we ever bury look so good. <laughs> Excuse me, please. This is the Happy Finance Company, no? That's right. Well, I'm coming to make a loan from you. My name is Luigi Basco. I... Basco? Say, were you recommended by your friend, Mr. Pasquale? That's right. I'm going to get out of sight. I think I was a pushed. Please, mister. Maybe you heard the wrong. I was talking about a fellow who is a guarantee this loan for you. What did you say his name was? Pasquale. This is the time I'm sure he's a pusher me. <laughs> I'm going to think Pasquale is not helping me. He's a throw a monkey into my wrench. Come on, me. That was my last chance to get $100 for a heap pluribus the unum attack. So what am I going to do now? I know. I'm going to go right down to the income tax department. I'm going to wait for them to come and get to me. I'm going to give myself up. <laughs> Mamma mia, what a big building. On the top, as you say, treasury debt. Such a big building just for that. Must be everybody is in a debt to the treasury. <laughs> well, Luigi, you always was a good citizen. Take your courage in your hand. Go inside. Explain everything to them. I'm supposed to pay a hundred dollars. I'm gonna pay only ten. Is a ninety dollars a short? Mamma mia! Look at how all those girls are working and the people all are rushing around. They must have been turning the whole place upside down and looking for my ninety dollars. <laughs> Pardon, Mister. Please, sir. Yes. I'm Luigi Basco. I give up. What? There's no use to look for the money you want to find it. Well, why not? I'm going to never send it. What are you talking about? Please, Mr. Taxman. Take a look at this fine overcoat. It's got a real beaver collar with a pile of buttons. <laughs> Tell me, how much you think is worth? Mm, well, uh, I'd say about $90. $90? Take it, we're even up. What? Goodbye, and I got a bless. Hey, 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 wait, come back here, mister. I don't want this cold. I, I huh? think you're all mixed up. Uh, just who are you looking for? In a come tax man. Is it no you? <laughs> no. Hey, just go to room 202, right over there. Oh, thank you. Yes? Can I help you? Look, Mr. Taxman. I'm going to have a lot of trouble with my taxes. <laughs> well, everybody does. I'll try to help you. 
Did you make out a long form or short form? I'm a note member. was about a ten inches long and a six inches away. <laughs> oh, no. When you filled out your form, do you remember? Was it a 1040? I'm not sure, but I think it was a closer to 12 o'clock. <laughs> huh? Well, never mind that. Did you use a tax table? Tax table? No, I'm going to use a plane of kitchen table. <laughs> Look, mister, let's use this form as an example. Did you fill out something like this? Yes, sir, that's right. Okay. Now, are you a worker or are you in business? Well, I'm a worker, but it's not too much a business. <laughs> well, that's not... Let's take item two. All right. Income. Just how much did you say you took in? $800. What? You're in business and you made $800 all year? Did you tell the truth? To tell the truth, I didn't tell the truth. Well, if $800 isn't what you took in, how much did you take in? I'm only taking in $400, but I'm ashamed to put on so little. <laughs> that sounds very good. But I warn you, the department checks on everything. I don't know why people have trouble figuring out their tax. It's all down in black and white. Uh -huh. Here, I'll read it. All right. If your income was less than $5,000, you may find your tax in the tax table and paid for. This table, which is provided by law, automatically allows you about 10% of your total income for contributions, interest, taxes, casualty losses, medical expenses, and miscellaneous. But if your expenditures and losses of these classes amount to more than 10%, it will be advantageous to itemize them and complete your tax on page 3. Do you understand that? <laughs> Please, if you don't mind, I'd like to ask you one question. What? Do you understand that? <laughs> Let's read it again. All right. If your income was less than... Wait a minute. Exactly what did you come here for? Well, I'm going to receive this letter. No, I say. Hey, mister. You better go right home. An internal revenue agent is coming to talk to you in about a half hour. I know that. That's why I'm a come to see you about. Please. I'm always a try to be good a citizen. What the government will do to a man who's who's not pay his taxes. <laughs> Mamma mia. Mamma mia, what the kind of punishment is this? <laughs> Luigi, my friend. Hello, Luigi. Hello, hello. Hello, Pasquale. What's the matter? You didn't get your loan? I'm not can understand why. He's a worse than that, Pasquale. I'm going to go to income tax department, and a manager mixing me up with a shorter form, a longer form, a 1040 o'clock, and I'm going to tell him a kitchen table. He's a set foot on a tax table. We got an argument. I don't know what do you think he say. What? <laughs> <laughs> What's the matter for you? You swallow a nanny goat? <laughs> Pasquale, I'm in the most terrible trouble of my life. I think I'm a disgrace to everybody. American government, because I'm not going to pay my tax. And my mamma mia, because I'm not going to send her a birthday present. Pasquale, everything is useless. And I'm not even got the one friend. Luigi, don't talk so fast. You've got a me, and I'm the most useless friend you got. <laughs> Stop worrying. I'm going to pay you tax. I'm going to send you mom a nice birthday present. 
Pasquale, you gonna do all of this for me? Sure, pack up your troubles in your old bag and a smile. <laughs> for anybody who's my son-in-law, I'm all the money bags of Pasquale. The money's gonna flow like a wine. And the what's for somebody who's not your son-in-law? Pepsi-Cola. <laughs> well, what's gonna be your pleasure? Disgrace or Mary Rosa? Remember, Revenue Man is gonna be here any minute. All right, the Pasquale. Ah, you make me so happy, Luigi. You're a real fine Italian boy. You ask the father's permission before you run away with a girl. <laughs> now I call it a happy bride. Rosa! 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 You call me Papa! <laughs> Come here, my little pigeon. Say hello to Luigi. <laughs> hello, Luigi. Hello, Rosa. <laughs> well, Luigi, you ready to fly away with a Rosa? Pasquale, how am I going to get her off of the ground? <laughs> See, you talk too much. <laughs> well, now we make a plan for the honeymoon. I'm Mr. Wallace from the Treasury Department. I'm looking for Mr. Basco. Is he here? That's me. He's all right, Mr. Treasury Department. I'm going to take care of everything. Luigi, you and Rosa, go in the kitchen and bake a cake. I'm going to pay for everything. Hey, just a minute, Mr. Basco. I'd like to talk to you. You know, ordinarily, when there's a tax discrepancy, we send out a letter. But inasmuch as this was your first return, we have been authorized to contact you personally. I know. I'm going to pay my hip pluribusy on my tax. Luigi, go bake. What? Mr. Basco, there's no such thing as an e, e pluribus unum tax. What? what? A revenue man is a right, Luigi. A half hour ago, this tax was a repeal. <laughs> hey, Pasquale, where do you find this out? On an AM or an FM? Television. <laughs> now go, Luigi. You and the Rosa, go bake a cake. Hey, just go, a go. minute, please. I'd like to finish my business here. Mr. Basco, you don't owe the government any money. We owe you money. Here's a check for $10 you overpaid. I'm going to get the money back. <laughs> Imagine a Luigi's overpaying the tax. That's a stupid thing. But he's a good-hearted little fool. And you know something? If I, Pasquale, was to get the money back from the government... I'm a like this a little fella so much, I'll be giving him every penny. Oh, are you Pasquale of Pasquale Spaghetti Palace? See? Well, I just about, I'm just about to contact you. Say, who makes out your income tax? You overpaid your income tax, too. I've got a check for you for $40. What? Pasquale. Um, look, I'm, 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 Mr. Pasquale, I'm taking you at your word. Here you are, Mr. Basco. Mr. Pasquale's check. Thank you. Hey, Luigi, where you going? Come back, my son. Goodbye, Plurabasion. So, Mamma Mia, everything has come out fine with the income tax department. 
I'm still got the papa's overcoat. And the best of all, for you birthday, I'm sending you separate package with a pair of a silver candlesticks. Do you like them, Mamma Mia, huh? You see, I'm keeping my promise. Mamma Mia, if you see a couple of tears on this page, don't think it's me crying. If it was a Pasquale when he's a pay for the candlesticks. <laughs> well, Mamma Mia, happy birthday. You can't hear me singing while I'm writing this. But I'm a singer just the same. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Mama. Excuse me while I turn the page. Mia. Happy birthday to you. Your loving son, Luigi, the little immigrant. Be sure to listen next week at the same time over most of these stations when Luigi Basco writes another letter to his Mama Basco describing his adventures in America. Life with Luigi is a Cy Howard production and is written by Mac Benoff and Lou Derman and stars J. Carol Nash as Luigi Basco with Alan Reed as Pasquale. Music is under the direction of Lynn Murray. Your favorite quiz games, Winner Take All, brings you fast and furious fun every weekday on most of these same CBS stations. Winner Take All lives up to its name by letting a contestant stay on so long as he's smarter and faster than each new opponent who faces him. Enjoy a lively session with Winner Take All tomorrow and pitch your wits against the current champion. But now stay tuned for a different kind of quiz. Throw your IQs in the wastebasket and listen to It Pays to Be Ignorant, which follows immediately over most of the CBS stations. Bob Stevenson speaking with the CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Mr. District Attorney, followed by our Miss Brooks. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.